0: Welcome to Playmakers everyone. I am your host Haley Elwood. It is week 16 and the Los Angeles Chargers will head to Indianapolis for a Monday night football matchup against the Colts. So joining me to talk about this opponent is the host, reporter, producer, she does it all for the Colts and that is Lara Overton. Lara, how are you? I'm so excited to have you, to see you
1: and to get to talk to you today. I'm so excited to be on with you. Thank you so much for having me. Excited looking ahead to, you know, obviously the holiday weekend. It's going to be another big Monday night game at Lucas Oil Stadium. It's a blue out. So a lot of Colts fans are hyped up for this one. Expected to be, if not already a sold out crowd, pretty much a sold out crowd because it is like holiday time. You know, you have a lot of families in there and a lot of people excited too to see this Chargers team come in that is making its playoff threat.
0: Yeah, I am not going to be on this trip. I know we just kind of talked about that off camera, but I do have to say I love Indianapolis so much. I'm so happy the Combine is staying there for another couple of years. It is just such an awesome city. So I'm sure around this time of year, around the holidays, it's got to feel almost even extra fun, right?
1: Absolutely. And I always look forward to having everyone from across the league here and for Indy to be able to show off why it's such a great sports hosting town. Certainly this time of year, it's always a great feeling because – Indiana. Not only do you have, of course, the Colts and the Pacers, but it is peaking into the college basketball season and you have Purdue and IU and Butler. Indiana is such a basketball centric state. So you have a lot of excitement surrounding that. And then also you have holiday season. So already you have a lot of kids on break right now. You see all of the hustle, bustle and everything ramping up and it finally feels like winter in central Indiana <laughs> this week. I know you guys know nothing about that in Southern nope. California, nope. but it's getting a little crisp around here. It's supposed to be a little bit of snowfall. So people tend to really love that, you know, this time of year really gets you into the spirit of the holidays.
0: I am not trying to say this to make you jealous. I'm pretty sure it's supposed to be 80 degrees on Christmas day out here this year. So
1: I, I spent the bye week in Florida. <laughs> Okay. And when we got back, we started looking at the forecast. It was like, oh, twenties, and then this week it dips into single digits, maybe even mm. negative temps. And I'm like, I should have stayed. I should have yep. stayed in Florida. That's the insulting thing about the late buy is that if you can escape somewhere, you come back and you're just thrust into the thick of winter. It's like, what happened while I was gone? So, oh, yeah, please. Fa- FaceTime me on Monday and we'll compare notes from the conditions at Lucas Oil and of course, you know, where you are in the LA area.
0: We'll do it. But good news. It's an indoor game and let's kind of get to uh, it. Let's get to this game a little bit. We're not
1: opening the roof. We're not, don't believe whatever Mr. <laughs> Ursay tweets out, the roof will be closed.
0: <laughs> Breaking news. No roof yeah. open on Monday night. Good to know. Um, when you look at the Colts, when you look at the chargers, you look at these two teams kind of going in different directions, but you know, still a lot to play for on both sides. What are your overall impressions of this matchup here?
1: Well, I think the Colts defense has been great this season, the majority of 2022, and they're going to have as tough of a challenge as they've had all year. And they're coming off a huge challenge, of course, as we saw last Saturday against Minnesota. But I mean, LA, you boast one of the best young quarterbacks in football has over over 4,000 yards already on the season, one of two quarterbacks to eclipse that mark. And then Indianapolis for their offense, it's One that has struggled to get that production in both the run game and the passing game. They've struggled with turnovers, giving the ball away all season long, struggled to protect Matt Ryan, struggled to establish the run game with Jonathan Taylor just last week against Minnesota. They were one for four in the red zone. So the two folds for Indianapolis is gonna be trying to contain Justin Herbert. They have struggled with more mobile quarterbacks in instances this season, and then protecting their own quarterback and attempting to establish a run game likely without Jonathan Taylor, because all indications, nothing official from the Mm -hmm. team standpoint, but the reports that we are hearing indicate toward that he will be out the remainder of the season. And Haley, I can tell you, when we were in Minnesota, he went out on that first drive And I saw him go over to the medical tent and then be taken into the locker room. He never came back onto the field after yeah. halftime. Oftentimes, guys will at least come out even after they've been ruled out. He had to stay in the locker room for further examination and some sort of treatment, whatever they could do uh, on the road there in Minneapolis. And then afterward, he left with a boot on that right foot and had to be carted over to where the buses were. It's a rather long walk there at US Bank Stadium. You have to go completely across the field, so they have to, to cart him across. So when I saw those two things, I thought pretty strongly that there would be a possibility that we may have seen his last game of this season.
0: So when you look at that and factor that into where this team is and, you know, with a few games
1: to go here, who steps up yeah. in his place? You have a couple of options. There are a few different backs that they will look to and against Minneapolis, you saw Zach Moss, who is a relative mm-hmm. newcomer to the team. He was part of that Nike Hines trade with Buffalo and at Minneapolis, zach had a great game stepping in and trying to really be the bell cow in place of jonathan taylor 24 carries for 84 yards it was a career high in carries for him you also have deon jackson second year back out of duke who has been very productive for you in certain occasions he had a receiving touchdown against the vikings he also i don't know if you remember earlier this season he was the recipient of the old angry runs scepter <laughs> Uh, Good morning football from, yes, uh, because he had this incredibly powerful run uh, in the win over Jacksonville. But those are each two guys that are very tough to take down. Uh, You think about Jonathan Taylor and he has this, he has power certainly, but he also has that speed and shiftiness and agility. Whereas Dion and Zach are almost these like bowling ball type of Mm. backs. i looking to the game at, at Minnesota there would be multiple occasions where Zach Moss was taking four and five guys with him uh, and gaining yards after contact. And then another factor in that just today, Jordan Wilkins was elevated to the Colts active roster from the practice squad. And Jordan is a guy who was a Colts draft pick back in 2018. He'd been with the team, was released last season, came back, made his way back this year. So he's been one who has been consistent, Uh, When he has gotten the call in games, so there will be a few different guys that they will have to call to because let's just be honest, no one guy can fill the shoes of a Jonathan Taylor. So I do think what they'll try to do is rotate that running back position and try to keep guys a little bit fresh. And then on the flip side to that, try to keep the Chargers maybe a little bit off balance defensively.
0: So I hate to bring it up, but we have to briefly touch on last Saturday, really tough game for sure. the Colts. Why was it such, I'll phrase it in a way to soften the blow here, but why was it such almost a tale of two halves when you looked at what happened in the first half and then in the second?
1: There is no softening the blow when you have a 33 nothing lead <laughs> at halftime and manage to lose. So I appreciate it, but yes, here. And, I like you. Yes. No, I I get it. I get it. I appreciate it very much. But this locker room was as dejected as I have seen it all season long. And Haley, there have been some tough situations. You no. think about the game at Dallas losing to Philadelphia in the last two minutes. Uh, the game at New England when you gave up nine sacks on Sam Ellinger. There have been a lot of tough situations that we've had to go in and you know, talk to this team and that they have had to answer questions on in particular late game collapses. It's Mm -hmm. been kind of the, the Colts self-inflicted have come in two areas, turnovers, and then just fourth quarter collapses Mm -hmm. to some degree. And when I talked to DeForest Buckner, one of our defensive captains, who is among, I would say, the classiest guys in the league. He said it really was the tale of two halves. It was your words exactly. He said, came out hot, didn't finish. It's been that way all year. He said, we've been preaching about finishing, haven't been able to do it. He said, it's not for lack of effort. It all comes down to execution. And I think that that's concerning. If you get to this point when you're into December, you're into mid to late December and you can't figure out how to properly execute. And you're still killing yourself with mental errors and critical mistakes. I talked to Julian Blackman who, hey, if we're talking good things, had a pick six uh, on Kirk Cousins in that game against the Vikings. I mean, when you look at it, this team had so many good things going for it. You had a special team score. You had a blocked punt for a touchdown. You had a pick six. You had a defensive touchdown. You had an offensive touchdown. You know, you had the trifecta there going. So you had so many things, yet it really was situations in which you turned the ball over and you couldn't capitalize in the red zone. And then Mm -hmm. you gave up the explosive plays. And Julian Blackman said, It's embarrassing. Flat out said it. He said, not only for us, I can only imagine how our fans at home feel for us to be on the wrong side of history. It was a historic collapse, the largest comeback in NFL history. And when I talked with Jeff Saturday on Monday, we have a couple conversations every week. And one of those was in studio on Monday afternoon after a pretty extensive team meeting that the Colts had on Monday morning. And he said, we have to own our mistakes. That was vital. And he really preached on... Accountability. And I do think that that is something that will be determined moving forward is how the Colts respond from what they faced. And are they holding themselves accountable? Are they holding each other accountable? Are they able to look upon some of the good things that you were able to do? And that was one thing Jeff pointed to. We need a little bit of perspective. He said, I got beat 41 to nothing in the playoffs. We did nothing well in that game. At least in this game, there were some things you can point to in the first half that went well for you. And really, it was. He said, we earned, you know, this was embarrassing, and we earned that. We got to own the fact that we embarrassed ourselves. And defensively, it was kind of the things we've already touched on. It was giving Mm -hmm. up the explosive plays, both in the run game and in the passing game. And, you know, that's something scary when you're going up A Chargers team that has plenty of offensive weapons. And then offensively, it was errors. In particular, the mental errors with red zone execution is what it comes down to. And he said, now we have to just understand what's expected. Uh, We do our stuff irrespective to what they do in regards to facing the Chargers. The Colts have been their biggest enemy. This season, when you look at the games that they have gone into and gone toe to toe with teams, I mean, you beat Kansas City, you, you know, were lead or you, you know, had a lead in Dallas. You, It was a two point game going into the fourth quarter. I'm like trying to go through all the different situations. You have 33 or nothing in Minneapolis. Really, the majority of these losses have been situations in which you've you've cost yourself. It has been more so on what the Colts have failed to do than Mm -hmm. what on most of the teams have been able to do, unfortunately, in a lot of these situations.
0: Yeah. I mean, and you mentioned some of those good things. I was out and about, but kind of in the car, listening to the game, following along on Twitter, there were so many like stats, graphics, and things that had happened in that first half that had never been done before that you just kind of went, holy cow, to your point, if you can put it together
1: for an entire game, you've really got something special going on. Absolutely. And that's that's exactly. It's been every situation. I'm like looking back when the Colts have scored on opening drives or scored, been able to amount points in the first quarter. You think about at Dallas, it was 10 points in the first quarter. Against Philadelphia, you were up 13 to 3. So if the Colts can find ways to do those early things well, establish leads, and then just hold on to them. Yeah. For whatever reason, once they – I don't know if – it's a complacency. I don't know if it is a we rest on our laurels, or if it if they have to fight so hard to amount the leads that you don't have the gas to to finish it off. So it is a situation where I think on special teams the Colts have risen to the occasion. You've gotten very consistent um, success in the kicking game from Chase McLaughlin. He has been a bright spot for you. Finally, the Colts have really struggled to find that presence post Adam Vinatieri and Chase McLaughlin, who has been a journeyman in this league. Yeah. I mean, you look at the last three years for Chase and he's just bounced around everywhere. And that's the life of a lot of kickers in the NFL. Right. And I think that to this point, Chase has done everything to solidified, to solidify that position moving forward, but that's been a bright spot. There've been some things in special teams that have certainly been good for you. And then offensively, I mean, you have been able to, you look to the play of your rookies, Jelani Woods and Alec Pierce, who have been your biggest deep threat targets. The majority of your explosive plays, your chunk plays have come from those guys, your tight end and Jelani and wide receiver and, and Alec and a credit to Matt Ryan for being able to develop those guys and get as much production as you have from first year guys like that. You, of course, have Michael Pittman, who continues to be the focus of this receiving game. Now it's going to be establishing that run and figuring out who will step up for you. I think all signs do point to it being Zach Moss, who has a veteran savvy about him. And then, man, defensively, this defense has been so stingy and so ferocious. They have been able to attack quarterbacks like we saw last week against Kirk Cousins. But again, it's the explosive plays that you've given up that have really been the dagger in your chances late in games. And if you look at the Dallas game, that's a lot of what happens as well. Mm -hmm. So let's touch on the defense
0: for a second because there's a lot of familiarity there with the coaching staff and the Chargers. It's so funny, I have deja vu because I had the same conversation with someone from the Raiders last year. You've got Gus Bradley leading the charge. You've got Ron Miles. you've got Richard Smith. You have coaches who know the Chargers extremely well, who were on staff with Justin Herbert, with a lot of this team. How does that familiarity maybe factor into game planning for this week?
1: Well, it's interesting you bring up Las Vegas because that has been... The Colts lone win under interim head coach Jeff Saturday. Since yeah. that win, they've been on a four game skid. And I went back and I looked at what went well for the team in that game, what they were able to do. And I do think that some of it comes from the fact that Gus knew that Raiders offense pretty well. It obviously looks different now a bit with Josh sure. McDaniels, Devontae Adams, but knowing Derek Carr, knowing Josh mm-hmm. Jacobs, knowing so many of those guys incredibly well. And I looked at what the Colts were able to do in that game in particular, they were very balanced, 208 yards passing, 207 yards rushing. And then they gave up just one sack and committed just one turnover. So they were balanced. Uh, they were they did a really good job of controlling the clock in that game. Um, and they weren't careless with the football like they have been on so many other occasions, aside from the single sack and the one turnover. You also got this like crazy run from Matt Ryan in that game when they thought he actually might break one for a touchdown that just shocked everybody. I think not only on our bench but across the NFL world to see a 38 year old quarterback scramble in the fashion <laughs> that he did. Then defensively, the Colts were really good about containing Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. If you go back and you look at the job, the task that Stefan Gilmore had. With Adams, he was huge in the clutch plays. He clinched that game for you. The Colts needed a defensive stand, and for the most part, in games when the Colts have needed their defense to step up in those type of situations, they have. Aside from I'm looking to the loss of the Commanders, the loss of the Eagles, a few of those situations, but aside from that, they were able to contain. The, the playmakers made their plays, but mm-hmm. they were able to do a really good job of containing exactly, you know, how many of those explosive plays they gave up and not allowing them to go for, you know, two or more. It was a score here and a score there, but for the most part, they were really sound defensively in those games. But I think offensively it came down to protecting the football, protecting the quarterback, finding balance in your attack offensively. And those were, I think, the factors from that game. And I do think that that kind of came from, I mean, that was Jeff's first week in the building, right? So he didn't have a whole lot of time to game plan, you know. And he's looking; he had to figure out who was calling plays at that point in the season. He had to figure out a play caller. He had to, you know, do all of these things in terms of getting into the building and, and learning your staff. And I mean, he knew the roster pretty well, and he's been around. But I do think he leaned heavily into Gus and the defensive guys, mm-hmm. not only because of familiarity, but also because you have Gus Bradley who's been a head coach you have John Fox who's been a head coach so i think it he he knew his limitations coming in he it was and that's one of the things jeff's great about doing is delegating to the rest of the staff and figuring out okay how am i playing into the strengths of these guys and i do think in that game he did a great job of tapping into what gus and that supporting cast with you know Milo and coach smith and all the rest of them, and they were able to put together a really effective, well-rounded game plan.
0: Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see just what that looks like. Obviously, different pieces on the Colts team than the Raiders last year, but just knowing that that familiarity is there and how that parlays into how this game plays out and gets planned out. But in speaking to the Colts, who is maybe someone that's either flying under the radar someone who might not be a household name that maybe Chargers fans should sort of keep their eye on this week?
1: Okay, this is interesting. I feel like I'm, you're, you know, you typically are going to think, oh, offensive or defensive playmaker. I'm going to go special teams. Oh, I like There it. is Okay. And yes, the Colts have an emerging star in kickoff return in an undrafted rookie by the name of Dallas Flowers last week against Minnesota he had five kickoff returns for 175 yards so he averaged 35 yards a return and that gave the Colts offense such advantageous field position in so many situations they were unfortunately able to capitalize in most of those but Dallas was just he was explosive for this team incredibly dynamic very shifty great speed that performance against the Vikings was the second most return yards, kickoff return yards, by a single player in a game this season. And those duties had been split between Isaiah Rodgers and Dallas Flowers. Now Dallas has really solidified himself into that role. So that has been a pretty significant factor, uh, at least in the most recent games. Dallas did a great job returning um, in Dallas, actually, uh, as well. So I do think that that's a a factor that most people would probably not take into account. Um, Aside from that, I do think that uh, running back Zach Moss and seeing what he is able to do, you know, taking over those duties from Jonathan Taylor. uh, One of the things that JT told me, the first week that Zach was practicing with the team, he exuded this savviness. And... He throws this spin move that JT was in awe of. He said it actually inspired him to try to start working it into his game. So he was taking some notes from Zach Moss on how he could throw the little spin move in there from time to time. And we saw that flash a a bit against Minnesota. So I think another player to watch will be Zach Moss, should he be the guy. I'm excited. Colts will get back on the practice field tomorrow. So we'll be able to see a little Mm -hmm. bit more of what that game plan is going to be at running back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know we're taping this a little early, especially for a Monday game, but with the holidays, we got to just get it done, get it out. But final question for you. I know you mentioned kind of getting to Justin Herbert and also on the Colts side, just better red zone production and all of that, but what do you think is a factor that will determine how this game plays out?
1: If the Colts can eliminate self-inflicted, and I'm talking penalties, turnovers, fumbles, Interceptions, miscues, lack of communication. If we, if the Colts can do that, they'll at least be in the game, right? And <laughs> yeah. if this team, if this team team can find a way to establish consistency going into the fourth quarter and then go toe to toe with LA, I think that you, you have a chance. I think that'll certainly be a factor. I also think it'll be huge in. How effectively this defensive front can pressure Justin Herbert. Last week you had six di- or it was six different players with sacks on Kirk Cousins. They were very effective with the rotation up front and in court, including second year man Dio Adangbo. He had two sacks, which was a career high for him, second year guy, he was a draft pick out of Vanderbilt and was coming off a an Achilles tear last year so he was really limited last season didn't come on until the latter part of the year he was recovering and he told me last week he feels night and day different because last year although the achilles was healed he had to just get onto the field to fully get himself back and to try to regain some of the strength and the quickness and the push that he needed off that achilles but He said totally night and day difference, feeling much more like him old self like his old self. That's been a great thing to see. Uh you have DeForest Buckner, Grover Stewart up front, Yannick Ngakwe, of course, as well, Quiddy Pay. There are a lot of guys who have the ability to get after the quarterback, and you're going to need to do that and, and do it consistency. Do it do it with consistency if you are going to attempt to contain this offense and the wealth of playmakers that Justin has at his disposal.
0: Wow, that's a good point. The Chargers have battled through injuries all season long offensively, though, right now. They're pretty healthy, and I think that's what they want at this point when you talk about trending into the latter part of the year. Larry, you're the best. You shared so much insight. Thank you so much. It was so great talking to you. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We look forward to a good one on Monday. Yeah,
1: Merry Christmas! So th- thank you so much for having me. Really appreciate the time. Hey, Colts and Bolts on Monday night, right? Looking forward to to a great one. We'll send you some snow from Indianapolis. Appreciate that. Thank you.